October 17th, 2023, we're in at the first Mishnah in the Amud, which is 15 lines from the top. This morning's class and all the classes this week are dedicated in Zechut uh, and in the uh, hope and prayer of a speedy resolution to the conflict and the war in Israel. We should see HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moshiach Amenu Misara Lirvacha Amen. The Mishnah here uh, is in the next Mishnah. It doesn't talk about Bechor any longer, but it's still talking at least initially about an animal. The Gemara will deal specifically with what type of animal, but let's read the Mishnah at face value. It talks about an animal and then it talks about Hala, each of which we'll define as we deal with them. Says the Mishnah, Behema Shemeta. If there's an animal which dies on Yom Tov or on Shabbat, lo yezizena mimekoma. It's forbidden to move it from its place. Of course, it's going to have the status of mukseh. We saw earlier in our Masechet on Davav that the way that we would define the mukseh with regards to an animal is that although it's edible to animals right now, kilabim, you would be happy to give the corpse of this animal which died to animals, it's not that it has no usage, at Ben Hashem Ashot, at the moments entering into Shabbat, at the moments prior to Yom Tov, your view, your vision, your objective with regards to this animal was that it would be consumed by human beings, not by animals. So the status of this animal, which now died, changed. Initially, it was going to be Ma'achal Anashim. People were going to eat from this cow. Now that the cow died, well, it transferred, it transformed to being edible only for animals. That's muqsid. The fact that your mindset wasn't to feed it to animals means that it's now gone down and changed its status. It's for that reason that it's considered muqsid. Uh, well, uh, like I said, are you with Eli today? Uh, like I said, we'll have to deal specifically with the reality on the ground, but as... Not sufficient, because your vision was to eat from it. And Nathan does point out, it's an interesting and important thing to already be thinking about, and that is, what if the animal is sick? If the animal's sick entering into Yom Tov, you probably don't have full view and vision that you're going to be eating from it. You probably assume it's going to, provided that that's the case, pass away soon. I will have to deal with that. At this point, we're talking seemingly about all circumstances of behema shemeta, an animal which dies on Yom Tov, on Shabbat, has the status of mukseh, and as a result, lo yezizena mi mekoma, you're not allowed to move it. Would this be chatsi mukseh, though? Let's say it's mukar entering the holiday and then the meta of Yom Tov is down. This is a case of Hatsi Mukseh. No, but Hatsi Mukseh is only when it then becomes Mutar again. You don't have a heter over here, right? Okay, it says the Mishnah Amr, it says, Uma'aseh, and indeed something similar, it sounds like, or identical happened, Visha'alu et Rbitarfon aleha, and they asked Rbitarfon, well, what's the halakha in this situation? But they didn't only ask about the Behema Shemeta, they talked about an either similar or almost identical case, as the Gemara would suggest, Ve'alhahala Shenitmet. And uh, about halash and halacha is that the Torah teaches us in Parashat Shelach, need to take hafrashat hala. Hafrashat hala means when there's a specific amount of bread or dough which is baked, need to remove a portion from it. It's given to the Kohanim. Now, the Kohanim need to treat it the same way they would terumah. In fact, the Torah almost refers to it as terumah. A terumah needs to be eaten with a purity, and the food itself needs to be pure. If it becomes tameh, it's inedible, and as a result, needs to be burnt. 
So we're dealing with a similar situation, we'll deal with some of the specifics in a moment, with regards to Tirumah, which is now contaminated and now has the status of Tumah. It's inedible, it happened on Shabbat, on Yom Tov, it seems like a Moksesh situation. We'll deal with some of the specifics in a moment, but that being the case, they asked Rabbi Tarfon about both an animal which died and Tirumah Shenitmeh, Tirumah which became contaminated, or not Tirumah, Hala which became contaminated, Vinichnas the Beta Midrash, Rabbi Tarfon entered into the Midrash, tells us the Mishnah Vishaal, and he asked, well, what are the students, what are the rabbis' things? And the response was, and it seems to be the clear halacha ma'asena Mishnah, you're not allowed to move neither the animal which died on Shabbat on Yom Tov, Mukseh, nor the halash nitmet, which became contaminated on Shabbat on Yom Tov. Uh, we'll have to take a look for a brief moment or two at Rashi on the left-hand side, who addresses some of the issues related to halab, instead of me uh, presenting them to you, let's read it in Rashi. It says Rashi, halash nitmet, again on the left-hand side, uh, right across from the second to last line of the Mishnah. Ena re'uya lekohen hayom. A circumstance where the hala became contaminated, became tameh, it's not re'uya, it's not appropriate, it's not edible to the Kohen today, Yom Tov or Shabbat. You will never be able to eat from hala which was mitmet. That's clear. Once it becomes tameh, it's forbidden to be eaten. What about ubahasaka? Hasaka means to burn it. That happens to be the halakha with regards to hala and terumah. You might not be able to eat it once it became tameh, once it became tameh, but you can burn it or to give it to a dog. In those circumstances, well, it might not be edible for me, but it is usable. asur. It's nonetheless forbidden on Yom Tov. Why so? You're not allowed to ever burn Kodesh, burn something which has that status of Kedushah, even though on Hol, not on Shabbat, not on Yom Tov, you could and should go ahead and burn it. On Yom Tov, you're not allowed to. And even even if it's an animal eating it, after all, the halakha is, says Rashi, citing from the Gemara in Masechet Shabbat, She'en sorfim kodashim biyom tov, period. The halakha is, learned from a pasuk in the Torah, you're not allowed to just burn kodesh on yom tov. Why not? It's just a pasuk. You might, says Rashi, say to yourself, well, maybe only burning is asur because there's no purpose. After all, the only melachot which are permitted on Yom Tov is if it's lesorech of some sort. We learned that on Daf Yod Bet. You need some purpose that you're deriving with regards to the day, the enjoyment of the day, consumption of food, or involving yourself in the happiness and pleasures of Yom Tov. Over here, burning Kodesh? What are you getting from that? Nothing. Or maybe only serefat Kodashim is asur. Maybe feeding it to my animals, there is a sorech. Maybe that should be permitted. I'll bring you a proof. It happens to be words that we do mention in the Bameh Madlikin, but it's asur both on Shabbat and even on Yom Tov. You're not allowed to be madlik, light a candle, light a flame, b'shem and serefa. 
Shemen Serefa means oil which needs to be burned. Now you'll have a little bit more Kavanaim Bamemadlikin. Shemen Serefa, you'll know what it means. It's oil which became contaminated and it was Kodesh, and you can't burn it in turn even on Yom Tov. But there, there is a Sorech. I can use it for food, I can use it to see, I'm not just it, burning it, it's oil, I'm using it for some purpose. Nonetheless, the halacha explicitly elsewhere, it still has a kiddushah to the extent that, number one, you can't enjoy it. Number two, you can't burn it on Yom Tov, or Shabbat, obviously, but you can't on Yom Tov. You have to get rid of it. Maybe you'll say it's because it has no purpose, even if it has a purpose. Indeed, but the point is, the reason you're not allowed to move it, A.B., is because it's mukseh, meaning it has no purpose. Maybe it does have a purpose. Says Rashi, it has no purpose. Maybe it has a purpose I could burn and I can enjoy it, I could give it to my animal, something like that. Why not? What's the reasoning? Doesn't make sense to me. Doesn't make sense to Rashi. It should be permitted. Ultimately speaking, you're deriving some benefit on Yom Tov from it. Ultimately speaking, you're allowed to burn with the purpose of benefit on Yom Tov. I understand if you tell me it has no purpose. It's a pasuk which is written to Nidrash from the Hachamim that you're not allowed to burn in such a circumstance on Yom Tov. You're just not allowed to do so. So that's the reason in turn, once you have the halal and it became tamir, you can't move it on Yom Tov. Why not? I can use it for something. Doesn't matter. That's not actually usable. The reason is, as Rashi cites from the Pasuk, the Torah gives a certain hashivut, a certain importance, prominence, uh, distinction to burning kodashim. The Torah says it should be burnt in fire. It gives the burning, not a destructive action, but a constructive action and characteristic. And in turn, says Rashi, there's no usability at all to this halashenitmet, and therefore we equate it with the behemashemeta beyom tov. Yeah. Right, so you may have said, and sometimes when I'm dealing with a means it's an item which is generally used for forbidden activities. And I have that out on the desk, I forgot to move it from the table. You're allowed to move it if it's for sorech mekomo. Over here it's not so. Lo yezizem, you're not allowed to move it at all. You might argue, you might argue a gerif shel re'i if it's going to be in the way of normal activity for the reasons of that sort. But for sorech mekomo, I just want the space or something like that, no. If it's going to movability or danger of some sort, so obviously you'll be able to, but if it's otherwise, no, you have to leave it. You're not allowed to move it out. What's that? The, the hala? The hala was touched by something. Yeah, something or someone. Oil. But again, you would have thought that oil is more oil that was teruma and became tamir. That's what we're talking about. That's what shem and Okay. You would have believed, you and I would have said, listen, we're not allowed to eat from it. I understand it's tamir. But maybe I can burn it. Oh, burn it up. Yeah, what do you mean? I use it for a candlelight. I use it for lighting my uh, pot on top of it. Nonetheless, it's explicit asur. Because of melacha. Because considered melacha. Right. And even on Yom Tov. Right. 
So, therefore, bread, which I imagined, maybe I'm feeding it to the dogs. That's a usability. We said it's just like lighting the oil. Both of them are usable, and nonetheless, the destructive nature, it's not because of the melachat ab'arat, it's because the destructive nature of it renders it not usable. Because it's not considered destructive, it's considered constructive, that's a melachat yosop, and it's considered muqsir. Right. Yeah. Because you're getting rid of it that way, you can't That's the melakha in the So that was what we have in our Mishnah. The Gemara now begins by bringing us, ironically or not so, I told you at the beginning of the Masechet, we would continuously return to it. And we have to the Mahloket Rabbi Yudan Rabbi Shimon on the matter of Mukseh. It's going to quote a Beraita that we quoted on Daf Bet Amud Aleph at the bottom of the page. We're back to Daf Bet. Lema tenan setama de la Says the Gemara, shall we suggest that our Mishnah is stama? We'll define that word in a second. Not like Rabbi Shimon, but rather like Rabbi Huda. Again, stam matnitin. Setam Mishnah means the Mishnah is written anonymously. When a Mishnah is written anonymously, our assumption is that the author, the editor of the Mishnayot, we assume that Rabbi Huda Hanasi did so, so that you and I say that's the halakha. In other words, if he mentions names, you say, ooh, it's his name, it's his opinion, maybe someone disagrees. I say something without saying anyone disagrees. Ah, now you know, that's the halakha. It's just in the moment, I remember I was a 19-year-old boy and I went to a synagogue in New Jersey and uh, one of the rabbis got up at the end of tefillah, as, as I've mentioned many times, I don't know if you know this person, I was a young troublemaker, and he said a certain halakha, and he said, everybody agrees to this, there's no dispute on this matter whatsoever, and he said the halakha. So I walked up to him after and he said, you know, it's a mahluk. And he got very angry at me. I said, but I think, he said, I was just saying the halakha. I said, no, but you said everybody agrees. I was a real Talmudic mind. So I said, everybody agrees to it. You made it as if there's no conversation. That's completely inappropriate of me. But I mean, it reminds me of it over here because that's Stam Mishnah. The whole point of Stam Mishnah is so that you say everybody agrees. Not really everybody agrees, but that's the halakha. That's why I say it like that. Anyway, that's, so Tzadik Gemara is our Stam Mishnah. Not like Rabbi Shimon, who's Rabbi Shimon? Detanya, after all, we have a Beraita that teaches the following. Rabbi Shimon Omer. Halakha number one has nothing to do with our issue, but it's you know, related in terms of action. That's a reference to Dilu'in, I think means gourds or pumpkins of some sort. And uh, the halakha is that you may have thought that cutting those gourds, those vegetables in front of your animals, is a, Rashi told us this on Dafbet, it's an extra strenuous, uh, difficult activity. Maybe it's forbidden to do that chopping on Yom Tov. No, it's permitted. You're allowed to do that on Yom Tov. No problem. Okay, not our issue. We're dealing with Mukseh over here. And you're furthermore, and our assumption, we'll understand why in a moment, is that if the animal becomes a corpse on Yom Tov, it's a nevela, it's a corpse, but it died on Yom Tov, you're still allowed to give it to your dogs on Yom Tov. Wait a second, I thought it's Mukseh. No, we're assuming it's even on Yom Tov. I'll tell you why in a second, as I said, right? Even, even on Yom Tov. Those are your words, Charlie. Asura. Rabbi Huda says, listen, if it died before Yom Tov, then it's permitted. Rabbi Shimon clearly is telling me, even if it dies on Yom Tov, right? It means that according to Rabbi Shimon, this concept of mukseh, when the bird dies on your property, when the, when the uh, deer dies, it has some usage because it could be given 
them to your dogs. What's the counterclaim of Rabbi Uda? Rabbi Uda says, no, it's Mukseh. Entering into Yom Tob, entering into the day, what was your mindset with regards to this? My mindset was, I'm going to eat it at best. Not giving it to my dogs. The fact that it died on Yom Tov makes it mukseh. But it's still usable, but it's not usable for the purpose that it was initially thought to be. And as a result, it's mukseh. That's mahlok and bishimon and As a result, says our Gemara, it seems clear our Mishnah is. Our Mishnah is siding with Rabbi Yudah. It's saying, Why do you not let him move it from its place? That's only the opinion of Rabbi Yudah, not Rabbi Shimon. It's bothered by the fact that we're so clear that the halakha is not like Rabbi Shimon. Yeah. Now, it's a hard, hard thing to actually wrap our heads around because on Dafbeh, the Gemara told us that's right. Our Tana in Masechet Besaz goes with Rabbi Yehuda. We're Mahmira Mukseh and Yom Tov. So what's the Gemara getting disturbed by over here? It's an interesting, interesting point that the Gemara does do this. What's that? This, this Beraitara, our Mishnah. At this point, it seems clear. Uh, to the end, it will be Mukseh. It might get a little bit more complicated with regards to the specifics. Hard to argue it's anything else. Why not? No, no, certainly, even according to Rashi, it's a Mukseh. It's a melacha to use it, and therefore it's mukseh to move it, right? Since it has no usability, what I was telling Abi, therefore I can't move it, right? So it is mukseh ultimately speaking. The moving, lo yizizen amim mekoma. Correct, exactly. You said there's another loophole that's disturbing your purview. Separate issue. I'm dealing with normal circumstance. Says the Gemara, afilu temar bishimon. So the Gemara, for one reason or another, wants to argue, at least at this point, that our Mishnah could accord with the lenient opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon, who told us that you're allowed to, if the animal dies on Yom Tob, chop it up and give it to your animal, seems to maintain this. No mukseh. How does he square with our Mishnah, which says, if the animal dies on Yom Tov, lo yezizena mi mekoma, moder bishimon, and here's the Nathan point, bebaale hayim shemetu sheasurin. And says the Gemara, even though it's not clear from the words of the Gemara, Rashi helps us with understanding it, Rabbi Shimon would agree that when it's not a sudden death, right, when it was sick and therefore died, in that, oh, excuse me, my bad. Rabbi Shimon, when he told us in that Beraita that it's permitted, he's talking about when it was sick and therefore it died. Our Mishnah, is a sudden death, like you said, and in turn that's Muqsa. So let me state that clearly. The Gemara suggests I have the statement of Rabbi Shimon. I don't know the context. Oh, I'll tell you the context. The context is the animal was sick. It was lamut. It was going to die. And as a result, your mindset was that you were going to give it to your animals. Ah, that being the case, that's why Rabbi Shimon said in the Beraita, that's, that's an interesting question. One second. That has nothing to do with our Mishnah. Our Mishnah was talking about a healthy animal. Healthy animal, even Rabbi Shimon agrees that it would be mukseh because your mindset was not on it. Abi says, what's with the stringency then of Rabbi Huda? Rabbi Huda then is telling us, even if the animal is sick, you nonetheless maintain its mukseh. It's an interesting statement. It's to a large, to, to a long extent, his view and vision is, since it's still alive, I'm not so certain that your mind is actually off of you eating it, something along those lines. Yeah, sick animal you can eat, no? It dies, it's 
Yeah, but yeah, the argument has to be that it's an old age sick animal, first and foremost. Um, second of all, maybe it is. Maybe indeed. Oh, you're asking, you're asking according to the Bihuda. My, re- my, my resolution for the Bihuda. I, I think one of two things. Either you have in mind it's actually going to get better, and then you're going to. Or alternatively, it wasn't Terefa. It's uh, old age sickness. It's not Telamut, not because it's actually sick internally. What's that? Yeah, old age. I mean, if you slaughter it before it dies. But it's an old age animal, it's on the end of its life, it doesn't have an ailment, ailment or an illness. You could slaughter I mean, you don't know when it's actually going to die. You see it's nearing because it's getting old. Right, anyway, it says the Gemara Hani Okay, so that's what we suggest. We suggest that our Mishnah is talking about a healthy animal, and both Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Uda agree that it's Asur, it's Muqseh if it dies, and Rabbi Shimon's leniency is only when the animal was Notelamut, was on its way to death. Says the Gemara, this all works, but you should know that there's a dispute about this very issue. And so it doesn't work according to all opinions. Hani Ha. This is understood, it's Noah. It's pleasant to the ear and to the mind. According to this opinion of Rava, that opinion of Rava, he indeed explicitly said that Rabbi Shimon, the lenient opinion with regards to Muqseh on Shabbat, is stringent in circumstances where it's a sudden death. Okay, Shapir, now you could say, our Mishnah even follows his opinion. But you should know, not everybody agrees with that. This version number two of Rava, What about according to version number two of Rava? Version number two of Rava is that Rabbi Shimon doesn't have this fancy footwork we've been setting forth. We've been suggesting that maybe even Rabbi Shimon, the lenient opinion, is stringent in a circumstance where it's a sudden death. That's a matter of dispute. So everything we suggested, Nathan's idea from the beginning of the class, is a matter of dispute. There's two versions of Rava as to what Rabbi Shimon really maintains. That being the case, yes, we're back to square one, which for one reason or another, Gemara is a little uncomfortable saying that our Mishnah, without recording Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Uda, is only going with Rabbi Uda. What I mean by it's only going with Rabbi Uda, it says clearly, without any matter of dispute or conflict, that is Asura lo yezizena mimekoma. Says the Gemara Targuma Zeiri. Targuma, that was explained. Targum. He explained this matter and set it in place. A rabbi named Zeiri. Zeiri means small to a certain extent. I don't know if he was short. Zeiran Pinta. We have a Mekubal in our, in our presence. Bebehemat Kodashim. The circumstance, situation was, uh, better yet, the context was not any animal in our Mishnah. It was rather a specific animal. It was very similar to the, to, to the halal that we saw at the end. It's behemat kodashim. Behemat kodashim means it was an animal which was sanctified for usage in the Mikdash. Ah, that being the case, something changed. Since it's now an animal which is kodesh, therefore even Rabbi Shimon would be modele isur, rashi. Bebehemat Kodashim, indeed, Jared. Bebehemat Kodashim, Rashi, you could find on the left hand side from where we are in the Gemara, maybe eight lines or so down. She'asura bahana'a uteuna kevura. If the animal was sanctified, called Hekdesh, you can't feed that to your animals any longer, even after it dies. It now is asur bahana'a. 
It's something which, after death, well, in its lifetime as well, it was never permitted for anything. And maybe I'll redeem it. You're not allowed to redeem it either, says Rashi, for one of two reasons. Either, the only way to redeem an animal is by standing it up and evaluating it. It's dead. You can't do that. And alternatively, the Gemara elsewhere has an opinion. You're not allowed to redeem an animal with the express purpose purpose of feeding it to your animals. You can, if we deal with behemat kodashim, uh, give it a minute or two. In other words, now says A.B., he's so simple now. He says, our Mishnah now, give the Gemara a chance, but the Gemara now is suggesting the following. Again, our Gemara is suggesting our Mishnah, which talks about the behemah shemeta beyom tob, it's not any behemah, any behemah shemeta would be Rabbi Yudah. Now we're saying, even according to Rabbi Shimon, who generally speaking is lenient, the behemat kodashim, he would be stringent, says A.B., but that seems simple then. If you can't do anything with it, of course it's going to be mukse. I'll give it a, a, a minute or two. What's that? But I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to, right? Says the Gemara, Targuma Zeiri Bebehemat Kodashim. Firstly, says the Gemara, Dikaname. Ledaktek means to read carefully. If you read the Mishnah carefully, as Jared said, if you read the Mishnah carefully, the Mishnah gave us two cases that were asked, the questions that were posed to the Bitarfon, right? Ma'aseh, the Gemara says, that they asked the Bitarfon, number one, we want to know what's the halakha with an animal which died on Yom Tov. And number two, what's the halakha with regards to terumah, excuse me, halash emitmet the Yom Tov. Are they really the same? Now they're really the same. There's something which is forbidden to do anything else with. The katane ale, it says in our Mishnah, quote, ve'ala halash nitmet, unquote. Our Mishnah mentions halash nitmet. Says the Gemara, ma'hal de kadisha, the same way the hala is kodesh, af behema de kadisha, period. All right, so at this point, we established that much. I'll tell you the Hidush, maybe A.B. Feldman. The Hidush now, as the Gemara will tell us in the next few words, is well, maybe then the Mishnah is telling us a Hidush in the opposite direction. Maybe now our Mishnah is only Rabbi Shimon. What do I mean by that? Our Mishnah, according to what we just suggested, suggested is only talking about items which are altogether forbidden for any benefit on Yom Tob. An animal which was Kodesh and is now dead. A hala which of course was Kodesh and is now Tamir. And as a result, there's no usability. Says our Mishnah, What does that mean about the bird, the deer, the, any animal that died in your field that was your property? Now we would imagine it's permitted. Do you follow what happened? From a deduction like that, we're going to bring everything in the lenient direction. Whereas we read our Mishnah originally, we said, wow, what a stringent Mishnah. It's only to be it's a stringent opinion. Now it's quite the opposite. Our argument now, according to our Mishnah, according to, according to the Gemara's interpretation of the Mishnah, the Mishnah is only talking about Behema Shel Kodashim. Terumah, of course, is Kodesh. Then Lo Yizizena Mimekoma. If it's Hol, if it's permitted to benefit, if I'm able to feed it to my animals, if I can light the fire under it or whatever the service is, then it should be permitted. That's not like Rabbi Yehuda. Ela says the Gemara, rather, Ta'ama, the reasoning of our Mishnah is, the Kaddisha is because the animal and the Hala are Kodesh. And as a result, Asubahana, no benefit. Had the Hulim, Sharia, 
That means if it was hulin, if it was hal, the opposite, of course, of kodesh, something that lacks kedusha, no sanctity, profane, well, then it would be share. What's share permitted? Now says the Gemara, well, I'll flip everything from the way I mentioned it originally. I had two versions in Rava. Remember the two versions in Rava? The two versions were whether Rabbi Shimon's opinion is that when the animal is not sick, when it dies suddenly, will that be considered mukseh or not? Two versions. One version was that it's permitted. Earlier, we loved that version. We said maybe our Mishnah is talking about when it died suddenly. But now the Gemara is suggesting that any time it's not Kodesh, whether it dies suddenly or it was of old age, it's going to be permitted. That's a problem. One more time. Our Mishnah, as we understand it now, is only talking about items which are Kodesh. Anything which is not Kodesh, irrespective of how it died or came about on Yom Tov, should be permitted. Halab, no such reality, it's Kodesh. Animals, an animal, whether it was sick or it dies suddenly, our deduction now from the Mishnah is it's always going to be permitted. What's Kodesh? The Mishnah is not talking about only healthy animals. Who told you that? How'd you decide that? And if anything, you made it much, so, so you're saying it's sudden, you made it much worse. What I'm saying is, Eli, you're making it worse. If our Mishnah is specifically a healthy animal, it means that if it was a, certainly a healthy animal and it drops dead suddenly on Yom Tov, then I should have thought that one opinion would say it's forbidden. According to the Bishamon, it might be forbidden, right? Your mind wasn't on it at all. So the Gemara now flips it and says, according to the version of Rava, that, a, that Rabbi Shimon's opinion is, punchline, if the animal was healthy before Yom Tov and died suddenly, it should be forbidden. I don't know how to read our Mishnah. Fascinatingly, everything got spun on its head. We began the Gemara thinking our Mishnah is like Rabbi Yehuda. We found a way to attach Rabbi Shimon to it. We thought it was stringent. We said maybe the Mishnah is talking specifically about when it was healthy, and I can inject Rabbi Shimon into our Mishnah. We now spun everything in the opposite direction. Our Mishnah is more lenient than you ever imagined. Our Mishnah's only stringency is when the animal was Kodesh. If the animal's not Kodesh, it's altogether permitted. It's absolutely permitted to move on Yom Tov. Well, that being the case, I go back to, does everyone agree to that? Not our Mishnah now is not going to be Huda. But now it doesn't even fit according to one version of Rabbi Shimon. Which version of Rabbi Shimon? According to the version of Rabbi Shimon, that when the animal was healthy and it drops dead suddenly, it's Asur. I don't have remnants of that in our Mishnah. So our Mishnah seems to not distinction, distinguish. So let me read it to you together in the Gemara. Says the Gemara, if this is all the case, Haniha. This is all understood. Lemor Rav Yosef Shapir, according to the opinion that under all circumstances, even when the animal was healthy and suddenly died, for some reason, for some reason, Bishimon is so lenient that he's willing to permit even that. There's no mukse, even when my mind was altogether off it. What's that? 
We brought up that opinion earlier. We, that's right. No, we liked the other opinion earlier. The prayer. I don't know about your Gemara. My Gemara says two separate opinions in Rava. Read the words with me. I'll translate them for you. Haniha. This is understood. Lemor bered de Rav Yosef mishemed de Rava damar halukayar bishmona balechayim shemed to shemutarim Shapir. That first opinion, Eli, is that it's permitted according to the bishmona. Even when it's healthy, Shapir means it's good. I understand the Mishnah now. Ela. Now these are the key words. You're denying them. Lemor ba amemar mishemed de Rava damar mode hayar bishmona balechayim shemed to she. Asurin. What about according to the version that when they are healthy and they die according to Bishimon and Tasurin? Ma'ikal lememar. How do you explain our Mishnah? Our Mishnah is not talking only about sick, it seems. Our Mishnah seems to be talking about all. So says the Gemara, indeed, like you said, Charlie, askinan. here, perhaps, what are we talking about and dealing with in our Mishnah? Bemesukenet. Vidivrehakol says the Mesukenet. One more time. One more time. It goes like this. The Mishnah is, one second, gentlemen. The Mishnah then in the conclusion is, yes. Kodesh, which is Mesukan. Kodesh, and it's in, a, in danger of losing its life. Says our Mishnah, since it's Kodesh, therefore you can't move it on Yom Tov. Kodesh, you can't get any benefit from. Ebi Fahmes, oh, wait a second, what's the Hidush, everybody? Well, I'll tell you the Hidush. If it wasn't Kodesh, if it was a regular animal which was sick, then I'm allowed to move it. Stop. That being the case means that if it's healthy, according to this reading, I'm not certain. If it's healthy, it might be permitted, it might be forbidden. I mean, in other words, it was healthy until it died, a sudden death. But that's the conclusion of the Gemara. It means the conclusion of the Gemara, we try to fit it in a reading of our Mishnah. Let me, let me remind you, whereas we began the Gemara by reading the Mishnah as altogether stringent. Very stringent, can't move it, Rabbi Huda. What about Bishimon? Give, give, give the rabbi a chance. We now flipped everything. We said our Mishnah is really following the opinion of Rabbi Shimon. Leniency. No mukse. Oh, really? So how do you read the Mishnah? The Mishnah was only talking about a narrow case. Kodesh. Oh, you mean to tell me if it's not Kodesh, it's always permitted? Nah, it's all fat. According to one opinion, the opinion that you denied, according to one opinion, if it was healthy and then died, suddenly it wouldn't be permitted according to Rabbi Shimon. Our Mishnah didn't tell me that. Maybe our Mishnah, the punchline of the Gemara, is even talking specifically about when it was in a dangerous, perilous situation. There, if it's Kodesh, it's Asur. There, if it's Hol, it's Mutar. But if it was Bari and it died suddenly, it's possible that according to the Bishimon, it would be Asur according to that second version of Rava. Take a look at Rashi. That's two lines down in the wide lines of Rashi. We are arguing now that our Mishnah accords with the opinion of Rabbi Shimon, who generally speaking maintains and Mukseh. And our Mishnah is talking about when the animal was already in an endangered state, when it's permitted. Now we resolve the statement of Rabbi Shimon who says you can chop up 
the, uh, the nevela on Yom Tov. We'll say that's talking about, according to this opinion, when it's misukinet. And our Mishnah as well, Hilkach, therefore, ta'amad de kodashim lo yizizena. The reason of our Mishnah is that you're not allowed to move it because it's kodashim, because it's sanctified, and therefore forbidden and ain't benefit. If it was hulin, sharia, it would be permitted. Again, to summarize then what we had in our Gemara and our Mishnah, our Mishnah presented us with two cases, which ultimately speaking we understood as being very closely related. Initially we said one's an animal that died, and the other one's halal, which is forbidden. Forbidden is very different than an animal which died. The Gemara therefore initially said, that's right, our Mishnah seems to in its first case be only going with Rabbi Udab. The Hidush in the Gemara, the injection, or maybe our Mishnah was only talking about Kodesh. If it's only talking about Kodesh, that opens up the gates for it to be Rabbi Shimon, a lenient opinion. Doesn't sound lenient, it does. Why are you only talking about when it's sanctified, when it's forbidden? Because it's sanctified. When it's not sanctified, it's permitted. How far are you going with that? Any animal which isn't sanctified is forbidden? That's a matter of dispute. And in turn, that's a question of how you're going to explain our Mishnah. If it's talking about even a healthy animal, or specifically an animal which is notelamut, what we call mesukenet, endangered for its life, and in turn, no issue of success specifically there. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.